Amen. He is risen. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. Praise God. Well, today we're going to be talking about remembering his words. And the whole theme is not just about the resurrection. It's about what he means. And many times we, we know about the stories. We know about a little bit about it. But how often do we remember, especially when things don't go the way we want them to go? And the title for today's message is Remember His Words. You know, I have seen many times that people sometimes trying to remember something by having tricks and, and reminders and so forth. And that is one of the most used apps on the phone is the reminder app. But in the old days before phones, people used to have a little string and then they just put it in their finger to remind them uh, about something that, that they needed to do. So they just did this. And, and throughout the day, they're like, oh, yes, I need to do this. And, and, and it's just a reminder of them. Um, but it never worked with me. Um, I either lost the string or I forgot why I put the string in it. So I, I bet that happened with many people. So I just go back and let my phone remind me of something. Or I just ask Joanne to do that, too. She's much better at remembering than I am. But when we are reminded of something... We're like, oh yes, we need to do that. And so many of us are forgetful about things in our lives, are forgetful about, you know, doing things or, or remembering things that we need to have sometimes a little reminder about how to remember what has happened. A study at Johns Hopkins Research has uh, asked the question, what is that you most often forget? And people answer the different, uh, the, the different answers that they forgot the most. And number seven thing that people forget, uh, often forget is whether or not they had done something. And there's been times that I go into a room, it's like, what did I come here to do? I know that only happens to me, but I, I just like, oh, I forgot what I came here to do. So and then you forgot if you did it or not do it. So that's number seven. Number six is faces. People forget someone's face. Now, I am very uh, okay with faces. I remember faces, uh, but uh, that's one of the things people uh, tend to forget. 42% of the people forget faces. Number five, what was said. And that is something that often happens. What, what did he say? What did she say? And, and if you're married, um, that, that happens quite often. No, what did she say? You know, what was what, what was what said? That's that's number um, five. Number four is a word. You know, when we're speaking, and oh, there's the word, and 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 we forget about that word, and we often forget. Oh, what, what is it? That word that I wanted to say. That happens to me a lot. Number three, telephone numbers. I think this is an older study. Because I don't know anyone who memorizes telephone numbers nowadays. We just tell a Siri to call whoever we want to call or, or just press a button and say, call so-and-so. And telephone numbers, it was uh, number three. Number two, where something is. Oh, where did I put something? Where I put my keys? And where did I put this? Where I put that? So where something is. And number one, you probably already guessed it. People's names. 
The number one thing that's more often forgot, uh, forgotten, that 87% of the people often forget someone's name. And, and it's things that we are used to, to forget. Well, today we're not going to be talking just about remembering. We're not just going to be talking about remembering what has happened. We're going to be talking about remembering his words. See, the women went to the tomb expecting to see a dead body, to see a closed-out tomb. And they were thinking probably on the way there, who's going to move that, that big rock? Who's going to be taking care of, of the rock first to go in? The last thing they expected is an empty grave. You know, when you go and put flowers on your, uh, on your parents' or grandparents' uh, grave, you do not expect it to be an empty grave. You expect the body to be there. The body was there on Friday. They started the preparations of the body. The, the Jewish people during that time uh, did uh, put balms and oils and all different kind of essence to preserve the body a little bit and, and have a, a slower um, um, decay of the body. And they did that on Friday, but then Saturday came, and that's the Shabbat, the Sabbath. And because it's Sabbath, they were not able to go. So they went until early Sunday morning to go and finish the process of embalming and of taking care of this body when they found that there was no body. Now, how often have you found something that's too good to be true? You know, you know what they say. If it's too good to be true, it probably isn't. So they go and see that the tomb is open. They go in... And inside of the tomb, there are two men dressed in very white, bright clothes. I am thinking Gucci suits. Very bright. They're very likely angels. And the angels ask them two questions. And these two questions are the, are, are the questions that we're going to look into and why it's so important for us to be reminded of what his words are. So if you would stand with me and open your Bibles in the book of Luke, which is in a gospel, and we're going to go to the very end of the book of Luke, chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 1 to 12 and see the story from Luke's account. And it's also the same story we'll find in Matthew and Mark and in John. So this is a story that has been uh, well covered throughout the Gospels. And thus, say the word of the Lord in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered... They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Is he not here? He has risen. No, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. 
was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Father, we thank you for the story of Easter. The most beautiful story of hope, but also of the assurance of your love for us. Because we see that you loved us, that you were willing to let your son die so we could have eternal life. But the fact that he came three days later assure us that a salvation is truly of a living God. We praise you. We thank you. Until you give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We see in this passage that they find the angels or these two men in gleaming white clothes. You can call it something else, but they're angels. And the angels ask them two questions. The first question is, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And the second question is, don't you remember his words? And what they remembered, because they said, oh yeah, I remember. And then they went back to tell the, the, the disciples, what they remembered was that Jesus has been speaking about this all along. You see, Jesus prepared us for his resurrection. Jesus prepared us to receive him, to see him, to know him, and to experience the miracle of his resurrection. And because Jesus prepared in three years, in the three years of ministry, he ministered, he cared, he loved, he poured into them, and he kept telling them about these three days that he's going to go and to be down, but then three days later, he's going to rise. They knew, they were expecting that, but then when he died, they forgot. So the women got, and the angels were perplexed. They were astounded that they'd forgotten. Because the angels were like, why would anyone come here? If he told them, after three years of telling them that I will die, I'll, be, I'll die in the hands of the sinners, and three days later I will resurrect, why would they go? If they trusted him, why were they at the tomb? If they knew that what he said was true, why were they at the tomb? They were perplexed. Like, why are you even looking for the living among the dead? If someone invites me to a baby shower, I don't go to a cemetery. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then it's like, don't you remember those words? And the women remembered. Oh! I bet they felt really silly. I, felt, I bet they felt like, oh my. And I call myself a follower of Jesus Christ. I completely forgot. You're right. He did say he will resurrect. But Jesus, throughout his life, he prepared his disciples. And throughout the scriptures, he prepares us to testify about the resurrection. To testify, because we will see miracles after miracles after miracles. 
So the miracle of the resurrection is just another miracle, but it's an amazing one. It's one that transforms our life. It's one that affects us because we see that his salvation is truly his. So we are reminded, and we keep being reminded of what he has done. And for three years he did that. And we become reminded of his words and then we go into a perfection. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, used to say that perfection is when we love God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. And in our love for him, our love that we receive from him and we pour into others, the love that we get, we share. And that becomes God using us to share and testify of his resurrection. But then we also see that miracles strengthen our faith. Miracles strengthen our faith. We become stronger in our faith because of these amazing miracles that he has done. A college student um, went to uh, Mexico for spring break. On the way back, he brought a half gallon of, of a clear liquid and customs patrol asked, what, 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 what is that? Oh, it's, it's holy water from a shrine I visited. In Mexico, he goes, well, um, is it okay if I open up and, and take a smell? Okay. So he opened up and, that's not holy water. This is tequila. Oh, a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a miracle. And we're not talking about this kind of miracles. We're talking about miracles that they saw the blind see. They saw the lame walk, the leper healed. They saw it over and over and over again. And God prepared them. And each miracle strengthened their faith because they knew God really sent Jesus to be our Savior, our Messiah. And every miracle confirmed that He was the Messiah. And we saw that happening over and over again. And there, during Jesus' ministry, there were miracles and people believed. And the resurrection done becomes the basis of our faith. But we saw people with faith. Someone asked Joseph Arimathea afterwards, because he's the one and said, and asked him, Joseph, why would you give one of your most precious possessions your own tomb to Jesus. You know, you must have had a great heart and great compassion and great love for him to give your tomb. He goes, well, not really. You only needed it for the weekend. Because <laughs> Joseph of Arimathea believed in the risen God. Death could not contain him. And the more we believe, the more we are under the impression God can do anything. This is a God of miracles. And miracles strengthen our faith. And our faith, we recognize miracles. And we recognize what God is doing. And it's a beautiful thing. So what are we to do? Well, according to this passage, the angels ask the questions, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember his words? So what are we to do? Well, remember his words, which goes very well with our title for today. Remember his words. You know, if, if you need to, to use one of these to remember 
his words, especially during our times of sorrow, during our times of suffering, of pain. His words are there for us. We just need to remember that he said he will not leave us or forsake us. We need to remember that he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross. But three days later, he's alive. We remember that in our times of despair, he is our hope. We remember his words. And many times, we just need to focus and being reminded. Maybe we need to have something to remind us. King George VI during World War II visited a pottery during the war effort. And, and as he entered the pottery, you know, the, the royals, they, you, they still do that today. They go through and have a tour and, and people explain all, all, the, uh, all, all the machinery and how it works. And they had a plate that was ready to go into a kiln. And the king picks up the plate and, and inspects it, you know, and he said, well, good job, and puts it down and goes off into his tour, and, and after the tour, he left. Well, the owner of the factory called the, the whole, um, you know, the, the whole factory and all the workers. He picked up the plate and said, this plate here has the fingerprints of our king. This plate here has been touched by our king. We will place it in a kiln. And we're going to have it over there in a case to remind us of the king's touch and our duty before our country. You know, our lives have the fingerprint of God. Our lives have been touched by God. And we are and a reflection of what God has done. Our love that we have for others, that God has poured on us, is a, a reflection of His love. So everything we do becomes a reflection of the King's fingerprints. We have the King's fingerprints. So we remember His words. We have God's fingerprints. So in times of trouble, we, we are reminded... God has touched me. In times of, of sorrow, we are reminded that God will comfort us. In times of pain, we are reminded that God will heal us. But sometimes we forget. So, we remember the angels. Did you forget his words? Remember his words. When you have someone that's going through a difficult time, just ask them. Do you remember his words? Do you remember what Jesus said? Because that will bring comfort. So not only we have to remember his words, but verse 5 also tells us, In their fright the women bowed down in their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. So we look for the living among the dead. Uh, yes. We look for the living God. He is risen. He is here. With us. He's not in a tomb. Somewhere in Jerusalem. 
He is alive. So we look for the living among the dead. But I met many Christians who are still looking for the dead among the living. And many Christians who are looking for the living among the dead. Who come to church and like, you know, I want to see the living God. I don't want to see the dead people. We don't want that. We want to have the joy of living life with him because he is not dead. So we come before him and angels asked why. They were perplexed. They were, they were astounded. Why? They knew that Christians should believe in the unbelievable. And we do. And we worship the absurd. Because it makes no sense. Our worship, our singing, our praying makes no sense. If he's a dead God, it only makes sense if he is real, if he is alive. And millions of people believe because God has touched them. So we look for the living God. There's a story out of Ukraine of a medical doctor. Uh, she lived in Kiev and had a toddler and a young, um, uh, uh, a newborn baby. And during the, the invasion, they decided to leave. And her husband had to stay back to fight. And on the trip, um, it took longer than they expected. It was a, a lot of perils. And eventually, uh, the food was over and they didn't have enough food. And, and the newborn baby became quite ill. So um, when she arrived to a, a city near the border of Poland, she took uh, the baby and found a, a little convent with some nuns that said that they would try to feed the baby and take care of the baby. She went back uh, to a place to rest uh, with, with her toddler child, and she was woken up by someone that told her that the place where she took the baby was bombed. And they weren't sure that there was any uh, survivors. Well, she ran back to that little convent, and as she was looking for the baby, her mind was, I lost a lot. I cannot lose this as well. And she knew that she was going to find her child's body. And as a doctor, there's very little she could do. So she went and, and looked and all she saw was rubble and part of the building was still standing. So she goes over to, to that when she hears a faint cry. Hope starts building. She went up and found. Sure enough, it was her child. Alive. You can imagine the joy she experienced at that moment. The joy that her child is alive. When we look at the women, when they got to the tomb, they weren't expecting to see a child, um, their Savior, their Jesus, the one that they were going to take care of him. But when they saw him alive, you can imagine the joy. That is the joy we have today. The joy that our Savior is alive. The joy that no matter what happens, no matter how sad our life is, our Savior is living. Our Savior is available. He's here. He 
is listening. We just have to remember his words. Jesus is alive. In the midst of our lives, we have a Savior, and that brings us great joy. So what are we to do? Oh, no. There we go. We celebrate. We celebrate. And how we celebrate? By singing, by lifting our hands, by saying how wonderful is the name of Jesus, by shouting out his name. You know, last week we, we said Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And we remember his words and we shout out his name and sang the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name that is because it's the name of our Savior. It's the name of the one that died on the cross for us. And we shout out and we celebrate because death could not hold him. The veil is broken. So we praise his name because he has a wonderful and beautiful name. And his death could not, go, could not hold him. I'd like to ask the worship team to come forward. I don't know where you are in your journey with Jesus. Maybe you're still trying to figure things out. Maybe all this does not make sense. But take it from me, who humbly say that many times I had doubts. But when we get to know Jesus in a personal way, He touches, He transforms. And we believe not because it makes sense, not because the Bible tells us, but we believe because we can feel His touch. And when we feel His touch, when we know that He is there, we feel His presence. We are willing to be vulnerable and say, God, come into my life. Maybe this week you just want God to be a part of your life. So all you have to do is ask. Because He has a wonderful name. All you have to do is by shouting out His name, Jesus Christ, come, be with me. I don't know where you are, but if Jesus is not alive in your heart, just ask and he'll reveal himself to you. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for the joy, the blessing, and the power of your word. Help us remember it. Help us remember. And when we shout out the name of Jesus, we are reminded of what he has done. We are reminded of what he has taught. And we are reminded that he is alive, that he is risen. So we praise you. We give you glory. And we ask this in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. May God the Father who created each and every single one of us in his image. May his son Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. And may the Holy Spirit who prepared us for his resurrection be with you. Not only now but until he comes. May you go in peace as you love God and one another. Amen.